Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz for NFL Week 6. It is I, Jackson Roberts. It is he, Kale Clinton. Kale, I feel like this is this is our niche, this pod. The uh, 12.08 a.m. time slot on a Sunday night. We've been off that for a couple weeks, but feels like we're really earning our podcast stripes right now, getting into this in the middle of the night. Fresh off-ball watching. Hot takes abound. I mean, what do you think, man? How did how did NFL Sunday treat you today, Jackson? I w- I don't want to go out on too far a limb. This sneaky felt like one of the best NFL Sundays in a long time. Like this was like a very under the radar and awesome Sunday. Uh, we had two undefeated break their win streak we nearly had a third like major contender lose uh an entire division lost uh a lot of crazy shenanigans going on across the board a couple major upsets this was almost like a full-blown chaos week that kind of really nearly flew under the radar like this this was a fun week of ball and a lot of good uniform games a lot of a lot of fun stuff to look at (laughs) I like to lead with, I mean, if we could, we just lead the pod with that every week. I guess we'll save it for, you know, the third to last segment or whatever, but it was a really elite uniform week. We had a chat, we had a text chain going where we were talking about fifth runner ups and everything. So we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, Why don't we start while it's fresh in our minds, just to get it out of the way. Sunday night football. The only reason we're not going long, I feel on this game is because the bills ended up pulling out the win at the very end. And by pulling out the win, I mean, pulling it out like you know what i'm saying a little, little tug on the jersey kale you know what i'm saying let him play i'm fine with that like it's not that egregious it's an untimed down that you already got on a on a good but uh, you know didn't have to call dpi let him play. i agree with Ben Solak's take i agreed that it was like the right move to commit P- dpi in that situation like Okay, so if they call it, you have another untimed down from the half-yard line instead of the one-yard line. Apparently, the Giants don't run the tush-push, so it's not like it's that much of a Well, they big did, deal. Jackson. Well, that's they, not, they don't run it anymore. They've been scared <laughs> off from running Daniel it. Daniel Jones's neck. They're one more tush-push away from Syracuse legend Tommy DeVito having to come into the game. That's why they're not running it anymore. But uh, regardless, I think it was the right football play because, you know, hey, when they don't call it, you win. Good work, uh, but why did it have to be that close for the Bills? Why did they have to make us suffer through that entire game just to see the inevitable outcome at the end when they could have just put the Giants to sleep from from the jump? The Bills, the Bills are this weird team. It's it's like the Mario Party minigame Bowser's Big Blast, where you uh, there's one of five buttons, and if you hit the bad button, you're out. Uh, it's literally just an RNG where Josh Allen could just have like one of the worst games of his life. And then like all of a sudden it just comes back out of nowhere. Like, I don't know. The Giants made too many mistakes to kind of let Buffalo stay in it because you, you have one of like the more bizarre Josh Allen games. And then all of a sudden fourth quarter, like 
Ken Dorsey starts calling the good run plays. Josh Allen just starts going to Stefan Diggs like back to back to back to back and never missing. Uh, you know, Martindale had some of his better blitzes uh, drawn up that game. Xavier McKinney got in the backfield for TFL. Like there were a bunch of solid plays in there, but you know, get it done earlier. I don't know. I, like I, I, I gave Dable a lot of praise uh, last season. Uh, wrote up their win against the Lions. I wrote up a couple of their games uh, and gave them a lot of praise just on how much he was able to do with the few offensive weapons out there and this year just hasn't really been the same uh offense has kind of objectively gotten better you've had better guys in there i don't think you're missing like richie james too much like i don't know you should be like (laughs) darren waller hasn't lived up to the money he's gotten in this is arguably like the best one of the not best that's a stretch uh, better offensive games they've played all year. Like there's stretches where I think Tyrod Taylor looked better than any game that 2023 Daniel Jones has uh, put out. Uh, not in full stretches, obviously. There's a reason Tyrod's backup, but like not a ton of a reason Tyrod's a backup. Yeah, I mean between the between the twenties they were all right. Giants red zone offense today makes me want to stick a needle in my eye, but. Well, that doesn't even get into the head scratcher, which I guess we could touch on now since yeah. we didn't have a year marked as our head scratcher. Uh, what did they do on the one yard line in the first half? Like, why are we <laughs> checking to the run? Uh, Dable made it very clear in real time that that was uh, Tyrod Taylor's fault. Tyrod Taylor's one that checked to the run there. He's screaming at the uh, his his coordinators. He's screaming at Taylor. He he wants you to know that he is not at fault for the Giants running the ball under the line and then not getting another snap off with 14 seconds left. Yeah, he shouldn't be. Uh, like I don't know. This is Tyrod's first or second year in New York. Even, regardless, it's not. It's not excusable. It's your first time in the game. Like I don't know. Don't do too much. Like this shouldn't be. Shouldn't be this deep. Like you should yeah. just be able you to get, get three throws to the end zone there. <laughs> you get three throws to the end zone and still kick a field goal. You know what you can't do? Run the ball into the line, get tackled, and then uh I don't know who the Bills defender was, poo on me for not figuring this out, but he just sat on top of Saquon for like ten seconds. Yeah. Smart. Do it's it. Smart if you're not gonna get called for it. It's not like yeah. a delay game on the defense. I'm just heavy and I'm not moving. What are you gonna make me do? That's about it. <laughs> um the Bills did win, so we don't have too much to say other than that we wish they made it easier on us. But there's a couple teams that did not win today, and those were the last two teams that hadn't lost yet heading into the season. So in a very graceful transition, I want to ask our first burning question of the day, Kale. We're doing a different format today in that all of these will be questions in our talk segments. So given that the Eagles and the 49ers both lost today, Given that they both lost in pretty, you know, rough late game fashion where they left some doubts about their offensive makeup, who are you more worried about after taking their first loss today? I I wish you'd start with this because I've got, like, concerns with both. Uh, Philadelphia kind of just broke down, like – 
not not really broke down, but like I've never seen Jalen Hurts make an interception look as bad as that third one. That third interception that he threw right at the end of the game. Uh he's like, you know, I feel like the first few turnovers, arguably all three of the turnovers prior to that, uh, weren't his fault. Uh like the Quinn in one. Like plays like that just happen. But the read on that third one, I've never like that's just panic mode. I've never seen Jalen Hurts make a play like that. He's been at least since his like recent renaissance, the last season and change. Uh, That's concerning in that. I didn't know he had that in his bag. Kind of just a complete obliteration down the stretch, letting a, a Jets team that really couldn't move the ball much all game completely back into the picture, especially considering the fact that like, it completely reversed the field on them. Uh, but that that doesn't spell out the long-term problems that the 49ers now face. Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are both getting MRIs tomorrow. Uh, Trent Williams left the game in a boot. Uh, and you see what that team looks like when the wheels fall off. Uh, the whole reason this team is good, we've been saying it the entire time it's Purdy's Purdy can work in a system but they also have the best running back in football two of the top 10 to 15 best wide receivers in football a top five tight end and one of the top three top one left tackles in football uh you're now missing potentially three of those weapons short term and two of those feel long term uh that's a problem that's a really, really big problem. Shanahan can hide a lot of small wounds. Shanahan can like his offense, you can you can make up for a lot. But when you're so reliant on like you're so reliant on so many different guys, but now you're losing like half those guys offensively. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that they won't all be lost, especially not long term. But it is just, I mean, let's let's even say all three of those guys come back next week. Yes, I still have a lot of confidence in that team as a whole. But I think what they showed today was just that they're not just a team that, you know, operates best, you know, in a system, whatever. They're a team that operates best when they're ahead and when they're ahead of the chains and when things are going right. And that was the first time we saw them have to do anything when they were down and it just went wrong. And, and granted, like the Browns are the second best defense in football. And if a rookie kicker makes a 40 something yarder, we're not talking about any of this in the same tone that we are. But I just think and, and with the Eagles, for example, I feel very confident on like third and eight in a tight game that A.J. Brown's going to find a way to get open. The Niners have all these awesome dudes, but if they're in a pass-first situation, it suddenly becomes like, I don't know, do you go to Kittle in that situation? Kittle hasn't really been doing George Kittle things the last couple years, even though you know he's good and he's a great blocker and he's still around. He had three touchdowns last week. I get that. Those were his first three of the year, I think, and they were only three catches. Brandon Ayuk, yak monster. Are you going to him on third and eight? I don't know. He's, he's probably the answer. He had 10 targets today, only converted four of them into catches. Debo Samuel gets hurt a lot. They've used him in this wide back role a lot for the last couple of years. 
again, very good after the catch, very good yak guy, strong guy. I don't know if he's the guy you're going to on third and eight. So, like, this Niners offense is built really well to succeed ahead of the chains, but I feel like tight games, big need-to-have-it spots, they, they've built an offense that's still very good but requires better quarterback play than what they got from Brock Purdy today because I don't think any of those guys are transcendent in, like, tight late-game scenarios. I – I disagree, I disagree in a sense that like like the one name you didn't mention there is Christian McCaffrey who like has the athletic passing snare. I know he's great out of the backfield, but are no, you throwing say, yeah, like, that's a guy you're not. Yeah, that's that's a guy you're not really going to on third and eight unless you're sending him on like Texas angle route, like running out of the you know practically running him out of a like delayed slot release. But I don't know. I like Ayuk's been incredible this year. Ayuk's been top five receiver overall this season uh i think this is i I gotta look this up coming into this week he was the uh every one of his receptions had gone for either a first down or a touchdown uh that's a big deal kittle like yeah kittle's been banged up big problem there it's kind of an issue when he takes on such a prominent blocking role in an offense like you lose him as an offensive weapon, you put kind of unnecessary tear on him. Necessary to like winning a football game, but like, you know, unnecessary in the sense that you probably want him available as like a bruising over the middle pass catcher. Uh, like, de- like, yeah, but you want to have two, three, four of those weapons available. Even like Juwan Jennings is doing like, has been okay in spots this year in a pinch. He had their biggest catch of the day. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you have this plethora of weapons. It's more just down to, like, when half those guys go down or when, like, when your back's against the wall and injuries start to pile up, like, it comes down to your quarterback. And, like, my issue isn't with the other guys. It's with Brock Purdy, who's been, yeah. like, a good quarterback I'm trying, I'm and has been better. He's been, he's been better than all of the previous – Niners iterations at quarterback under Shanahan. Like he's been better than Jimmy G. He's willing to test the deeper parts of the field, but it's just not like, I don't know. It's not a top 10 guy. Yeah. And I'm trying to couch it in Brock Purdy in the sense that I, I'm well aware that if this 49ers team had Jalen Hurts, they'd be in a much better spot. But I also just felt like there's something to like, yes, the Eagles lost today, but I felt, very confident every time they faced like a big passing down that AJ Brown was going to find a way to get open. And as great as all these guys on the Niners are, I don't know if they're like singularly game breaking in that sense. And I don't think Brock Purdy's good enough to make up for it. So I worry about the 49ers losing other close games in the future because I don't, I don't see the formula for them to like lead these clutch drives against good defenses like the one they saw today. I, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't know if I'd rather have one game-breaking guy or four, like, awesome guys that are, like, top 80 to 90 percentile of, like, the potential NFL receiver. Like, like I don't know. A.J. Brown's an apex guy. I get that. But, like, injuries start to pile up. You get down, like, now you're down to 165 pound Devonta Smith and who Olamide Zacchaeus like gets. Well, let's send Goddard out on a lot more routes than the Niners are sending Kittle out on right now. Yeah, I get it, but like again, different roles. 
and, yeah. and you don't really need to when you got four guys. Yeah. DeAndre Swift's been awfully good out of the backfield too. I keep talking myself into this Eagles team. Like every, it, they're five and one and it still feels like they haven't figured anything out yet. You know, it's like they have singularly it's great so crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to talk over you there. Like, yeah, no, this is the most like out of sync five and one team. I feel like I've seen in a long time. Like, they're out of sync, but they're also like you see the brilliance on pretty much every drive, like at least once or twice. And that's both from a play calling and from a personnel perspective. But then something just ends up going wrong somewhere at the end of the drive. I, d- I know this team has has a second and third gear. I just can't believe we haven't seen like a flash of it yet. They haven't put like – I get they have a hard schedule. I just like – it's crazy we haven't – like – we haven't even seen like a B plus game out of them yet. Like, like every game has been like a B, B minus, like n- nowhere near their A game. Yeah. But at the same time, every game had been like a B, B minus. And today was probably their first C minus. So it's about avoiding lots of those in the future. You know, right. I think I don't, I'm not going to say Brock Purdy is in any way a fraud because he never had expectations coming in and he's already outplayed all his expectations. But mm-hmm. I mean, we should have never been having the Brock Purdy is a, is he an elite quarterback? Is he not an elite quarterback conversation? Just you know, ten game sample size and leading an offense that was, like you said, chock full of studs. So I'm um, I'm just a little bit more worried about them being able to maintain. You know, I, I'm if they play each other in the NFC Championship tomorrow, I'd, I'd probably pick the Eagles, which is crazy to say because I feel like the Niners are better roster but i just i have a little more faith in that team right now i i think i'm on the other side uh i think i'm i'm kind of still like squarely in that camp i just i think it's a depth thing at this point and I, and we'll see you know that's probably going to be the game unless uh there's another another <laughs> NFC north team creeps into the picture well, i don't like know we're talking about here and certainly not the chicago bears so the Green Bay Packers, they're all I to say about that. Um, before we get on to the best team in the NFL in both of our eyes, obviously. Uh, otherwise, why would I be wearing this hat, Kale? Uh, let us discuss some of the teams that came into the week either out of playoff position, below 500, lagging in the eyes of pundits like us that had big wins today because it's the flip side of the same conversation. The Eagles lost because the Jets had to win. 49ers lost because the Browns' defense played awesome. And then I'll throw the Cincinnati Bengals in there, too, just because I feel like, A, the Seahawks came in flying high. B, it was a weird game script, but I feel like in the first half, you saw a lot of good from Joe Burrow, and in the second half, you saw a lot of good from the Bengals' defense. So I want to put them in the conversation just because they also got their third win, and they've been to the AFC Championship two years in a row. But who's winning your eyes elevated them to potential contender status? Uh. I Jets, I, I want to give just a brief, uh, a brief uh, shout out to the Jets. I, I'm leaving Cincinnati completely out of this, uh, but I want to give a brief shout out to the Jets. Uh, th- this is a team that I kind of thought would roll over a bit uh, after the Rodgers thing. Uh, I've, I've watched this team for the last two years. Uh, like I've watched every snap of Zach Wilson. Uh I've been pretty intent on the Salah era, and this has just felt like a team that, like, 
will have some, um, some pretty big highs, but most of the time operate pretty low. Uh, they, they roll over pretty easily. They don't have a ton of fight. Uh, defense has been good. I, I really thought that this would drag them down. Uh, the defense and special teams is winning in spite of the current offensive situation. It's not quite Garrett. Uh, like Garrett Wilson, I think, has been like kind of held back a bit. The offense hasn't been like fantastic, but like the things that are directly taken out of Zach Wilson's hands, like the run game and this defense, uh, is is something truly special. And now you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing. Uh, like is I I think he's out of a boot. He was throwing. That's crazy that he's doing all this. Uh, I just like if if this team can hang around, they just beat they just beat the freaking Eagles. They beat the last year's NFC champs. If they can hang around, and like Rodgers can somehow make one of the more improbable comebacks in the NFL, uh, that'd be pretty special. Uh, but this isn't the team I want to talk about, Jackson. I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I did a piece two weeks ago now. Uh, writing up the Cleveland Browns uh, and how they just have a a historic defense. Uh, through four weeks, uh, they had the seventh best defensive DVOA uh, in our catalog, uh, which goes back to 1981. So we miss out on some of the great. I know we have like some of the great Bears defenses in there, uh, but like we miss out on on. You know, a few special groups like Iron Curtain or Steel Curtain, rather. Uh, but like this is up there for one of the best defensive starts ever. Uh, they they had allowed 18 points all season. They had one one touchdown allowed in 35 drives coming into this game. Uh, their offense had allowed more touchdowns than their defense. Uh, they'd allowed five plays in the red zone. That five plays total, and those five, those five plays, uh, it's like two sacks, a, a, it was like two sacks, a tackle for a loss, an incomplete pass, uh, it, just absurd, absurd numbers. Uh, they're playing out of their minds. Uh, Jeff Schwartz has, uh, Jim Schwartz has put together just an incredible group. Uh, it feels like they're kind of getting. Whether it's like Dalvin Tomlinson, Darius Smith, Miles Garrett, like whole defensive line is putting up insane numbers. They've been able to shut down some pretty impressive running backs coming into this week. Uh, like kind of crazy secondary, what they've been able to do with all of their motion uh, in the back end, and like the amount of rotation that they have going on in the secondary uh, has been pretty insane. Uh, and and just really tough for quarterbacks to process. And then they go out and beat who I still kind of have uh, as my best team in football. Uh, that's a statement game. That's a huge win. And they did it with a backup quarterback in play who BJ Walker looks, looks better than the $230 million man. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to keep running with the rhetoric of like, Oh, the backup quarterback looks better than the, Regular quarterback option, uh, but Sean Watson has not been good this year. He's he's been a legitimate liability uh, through stretches. Uh, he he is the reason that the Browns uh, have at least one loss on their record. To the uh, it looked like that Steelers loss is fully on him. Uh, 
Yeah, it's this is a this is a statement statement win for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so I want to engage on that Deshaun point, and then there's, there's one other Browns guy I want to shout out. So I guess I'll come back to the positive. But I mean, first of all, like I get where you're coming from that Deshaun has been bad. I do not think PJ Walker looks better than him today. I thought he, just- they won in spite of PJ Walker, and every Browns fan I saw felt the same way. So I guess I'll. I'll go with uh, fan rhetoric on this one, but I I felt like PJ Walk winning with PJ Walker was the equivalent of like dangling over the balcony the entire time and then just barely coming out the other side. It was a thrill, uh, but it keeps coming back to the same conversation about the Browns, which is like, yeah, they should be better with Deshaun Watson. So far, they sometimes haven't been, but that's besides the point. Can you get excited about this team with Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Like that's always been the toughest thing for me. Is like I want to have fun talking about how good this team can be when they have you know a former All Pro quarterback playing it. Let's just say even eighty percent of his capability. But the guy basically walks around with barbed wire around himself. So I don't know how I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get excited about this Browns team. And that's been the toughest thing for the past couple of years. And we've talked about them is I feel like the vibe's just always been negative. I don't want to keep always being negative about this team, but their quarterbacks, he's terrible. So what else are we going to do? I do want to throw in, uh, I kind of just memory hold a 28-3 loss to the Ravens last week. I straight up said, I think, uh, coming out of their bye uh, <laughs> through the first four weeks. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's not how that works. Uh, but yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. It's tough, but like... I don't know. Kareem Hunt looks like he's kind of back uh, in stride a bit. Uh, looked a lot better today. Uh, oh no, they did have a buy. They did. A, they did have a buy. It yeah. was still through through four weeks. Uh, oh no, it was through three weeks. God, I'm memory holding all my things. Article was through three weeks. Article. Yes. Sorry, I'm again, guys. We do this at twelve thirty. Memory runs a little thin. Uh, yeah, they did have a bye last week. Whatever. I'm going to leave the point. Uh, yeah, Which I don't know. It's, it's just a really frustrating thing to see. Like, they're kind of coming back into the into the mix of things a bit. David Njoku's playing with, like, I I'd, I'd, I don't know if I'd be back on a football field uh, if I just uh, burned my face off, for lack of a better term. Uh, it, it, crazy that he's uh, been in the mix uh, these last two games. Uh, but if, if he's able to come back and be 80% of the guy, uh, he's shown he can be, if, uh, Kareem Hunt can continue to produce alongside Jerome Ford. Uh, if Mark Cooper having big games, like this is a good team. I'm just, it's, it's, they need a guy. It's honestly, they're kind of last year's jets a little bit. Uh, I'd I'd say worse offensive skill positions, but again, like funnier, funny situation that Elijah Moore's the two on both teams. But <laughs> they're they're truly a quarterback away from being special. They just need league average quarterback play, and they can be like a very very special team. Uh, I think they're closer to league average play than 2022 Zach Wilson was, but. Uh, yeah, the offense is the thing holding this group back because the Browns can be awesome if they need to be. Yeah, and they'd certainly be awesome if they were getting the guy the Browns thought they were paying $230 million for. There's no denying yeah, if, that. If we were getting 
you know, pre-COVID Deshaun Watson, uh, like who's kind of going toe-to-toe with second-year Pat Mahomes, uh, yeah, they'd be, you know, up there with the best. But a lot, of, lot, of, lot of things have changed in Deshaun Watson's life since then. I just I liked him so much in 2019 and 2020, and it's just hard to grapple with how far he's fallen just in my sense of who he is as a person and a football player. Like, I thought he was great at football, and I thought he was seemed like a cool guy. So now, now what am I supposed to think when he's out there doing terrible on the football field and just being a terrible guy? I don't there's, know a, uh, there's a really good Connor Orr article uh, from Deshaun Watson's comeback that gets into X's and O's on, like, why he might never be super good again. And it basically just comes down to eras where, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Watson came up specifically in a very, uh, like, cover three heavy era uh, where teams were leaving uh, backs out of their defense open and, like, passes over the middle were a lot easier. Uh, And just the way you read the field and the way you play the passing game on top of, like, being able to scramble around – that is all but gone. Like he he missed the transition era, and now which is crazy because he missed a year. <laughs> no, he missed he missed two years, close to two. Yeah, he missed the eleven game suspension last year. Yeah, but it, it was injury into suspension, uh, which made it tough. Or it, I guess injury into sit out into suspension. Yeah, like like yeah, two and a half at that point. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's just really tough to kind of like place where he'll eventually fall. Did you have any other input on the other teams we had, the Jets and the Bengals? I don't want to include the Bengals because the rest of their division just feels so good. The conference still feels very strong. I know like teams are kind of dropping games here and there, but like I don't trust it yet. Like I mean, I don't trust it fully yet, but like we're talking about the Browns and Jets, who when's the last time either of those teams went to okay, I get the Browns won one playoff game with Baker Mayfield when Kevin Stefanski had COVID and they're they beat the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. But other than that, when's the last team either of those two teams have done anything? The Bengals were uh, one mayoral curse away from going to back to back Super Bowls before their guy had to step in and say Burrow was Mahomes' dad. So I I'm very willing to accept that they may be back at some point. I just don't think this is fully that point yet, but we're heading in the right direction. I no, I don't disagree with you there. I'm just saying there are too many wrinkles here of uh like how like does this calf injury uh reinvigorate itself for Burrow? Does uh T. Higgins end up uh staying healthy long term? Uh, does this defense continue to rebound? This defense, again, like Lou Anarumo is is two for two in appearances. Uh, like I, I've enjoyed watching him kind of figure things out on the fly with this super, super young secondary. Uh, but they were able to lock things up pretty well this week. So like if things are starting to come together, they're starting to come together. But it's, you know, it's a kind of believe it. Like, I, I need a little bit more. I just want to make sure that, like, before I fully put faith into this team, they 
have like I don't know a window to make the playoffs. This this is teams that are kind of looking to disrupt a bit. Uh, yeah, I think they have a window. They're one game back in the division right now, and I I get that there are lots of good teams in the AFC, but there's so many teams that are in that somewhere between three and two and two and four that I don't know what to make of yet. So I I think the window is very much still there. So yeah, I guess it just I, I, like I also felt like in the first half of that game they felt like one of the best offenses on any field today and then burrow maybe his calf started hurting and all of a sudden he couldn't push the ball downfield anymore so then they looked like one of the worst offenses so there's there's a lot of outcomes still on the table for the bengals but i feel like their best case scenario is maybe the best out of those three teams i don't i i do also want to throw out their next five games are uh at Niners, hosting Bills, hosting Texans, at Ravens, hosting Steelers, at Jaguars. I'd call those four rough to brutal games and then the Steelers. Well, you know they like playing the Bills, so we'll see. Uh, that, that will tell us a lot about them by the end of it for sure uh, because none of those teams are cakewalks, but at the same time, Aside from what we think to be the best version of the Niners, I don't think there's any of those teams they can't beat. So we'll yeah. see how they come out of it. Three, if they come out of that three and three, I'm feeling like we still don't really know, which is weird because then their season will be two thirds of the way over. But if they come out four and two, I'll feel great. If they come out two and four, I'll feel bad. So I feel like there yeah, should that's, be. That's about, that's about how that works, Jackson. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I feel like there should be a tell from that stretch. I hope they don't go three and three because I want to know one way or the other. I think the if if we're gonna narrow it down, I think the most telling game is going to be Week Eight against the Niners. You go into their bye this week, they get a breather, they get guys healthy. Burrow's got another game on the calf. I feel like escaping, and I use the word escaping very literally, getting out of this six-game stretch into the bye three and three, kind of salvaging this season is the best possible thing for them because now you get a full week of rest for burrow you get all this time off you'll be golden after this like this is going to be the real test yeah it's a well-timed buy they definitely need it uh the last thing about any of these teams i wanted to say was uh cleveland you know about Miles Garrett, you know about Zadarius smith to some extent you know about grant delpit who i thought was an all-pro safety talent last year Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I did not know about. And watching that dude play for the fun. Yeah, I did not know JOK. I'm sorry. I wasn't a JOK knower until this week, but he was nasty today. And I feel as though he deserves, like, since I didn't see him in our game ball section, like, I want I want some JOK recognition today because that was – he was everywhere today. JOK is up there. I also wanted to throw a shout-out uh, to the other awesome – uh, Brown's corner, uh, Martin Emerson Jr., second year in the league, has kind of quietly dominated. Uh, PFF had a stat, uh, the lowest completion percentage allowed of any defensive back with at least 10 targets, uh, 28.6. Came away with two passes defense, two pretty crucial passes defense, as well as that big interception on Purdy. Uh, they they just got dudes, man. Like, like 
Schwartz has been doing an incredible job with this defense. Uh, I, I, I've got to go back and watch that Ravens game. It, it's something that kind of flew past me in a, a pretty hectic lead-up week, but it's just like they've been doing such a good job on this defense. There's so many guys. That, that defensive line's crazy, too. I'm just pumped about this Browns defense. If it's just like – I don't know. I, I like teams with exactly one good side of the ball, like Chargers offense, Browns defense – they're fun to root for i get that impulse uh the team that jim schwartz used to coach let's let's get into it uh because they're coached by one dan campbell now kill uh and i don't know if you know this but dan campbell's kind of a fun guy to root for we were early adopters some of us stayed adopting dan campbell's detroit lions and picked them to win the nfc north this year some of us got swayed some of us were wooed by some preseason jordan love packers hype some of us thought that the Vikings would course correct and somehow still win the division after last year. We can dunk on Nolan as much as we want for that. Yeah, I wasn't me. I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't go down on that. The fact remains that the Detroit Lions are now tied for the best record in football at 5-1. and one. They won in Tampa, and it felt like they didn't play their best game, and they also didn't have the run game going for them, but they also never felt like they were in danger of losing it. They felt like they were in control the entire way, and – I feel like we haven't had a proper moment to like really give them their shine this year, apart from like some week one stuff after they beat the defending champion chiefs, but their resume is now on par with anybody. And I think it's time we talk about what their ceiling is. So how far can this team go? I I took some time to break this team down for, uh, for FTN this week. Uh, very funny to write a, hey, uh, an article for a uh, data analytics website all about culture and like just intangibles. Uh, but this is straight up the best Lions team uh, ever by DVOA uh, and, and not even close uh, through five weeks. Uh, the second best team at a 14.8 DVOA uh, Lions Lions before this week. And it, I, it should slightly improve. I'm not sure. Maybe it'll decline, but the offense looked good enough. Uh, had a 39% DVOA coming into this week. They've never been ranked higher than eighth. They were third best coming this week. They are playing like one of the best teams in football. And I think the craziest thing about this team is that it's just, it's just all their guys. It's, you look at this team. They're super young, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's not a 30-year-old on this defense, at least that's starting. But even the guys they picked up, uh, like Emmanuel Mosley and CJ Gardner-Johnson, Cameron Sutton, none of those guys are 30 years old. They're all younger than that. Uh, most of these guys that have been like performing really well are either straight up on their rookie deals, like you know Hutch, Brian Branch, Kirby Joseph, Jerry Jacobs, or they're just like like Alex Anzalone, they're retreads from other teams, kind of on their second contract, getting fresh starts and finding new life on this team. They're really impressive, man. Offense, I think, kind of is up with the best of them. Laporta is one of the bigger under-the-radar draft hits. Hey, might be 
the best performing offensive tight end in football right now, not named Travis Kelsey, uh, has been out of his mind through three weeks. And he had a pretty down game banged up this week and still put up like still put up like 50 like 50 yards or something and, and five catchers like still very much contributed while hurt Amara St. Brown's doing sun god things Jameson Williams how about that touchdown catch Josh Reynolds too I, I want to give a shout out to Josh Reynolds again I similar stat to Brandon Ayuk coming into this week every ball that Josh Reynolds had caught had either gone for a first down or touchdown uh, like just another kind of ludicrous stat uh, for deep ball guys coming in here. Uh, I, I I could keep going on about this team, but you ask ceiling. I just worry. I just worry. I think they win a playoff game this year. I really do. I just don't know if they're like a top four team in the NFL when push comes to shove. Uh, like when like when it comes down to NFC Championship stuff. I wonder what they do against the Eagles. I wonder what they do against the Niners. I think this group collectively, because of how well uh, they all play together, uh, you know, what what Ben Johnson is able to do for this group. Uh, you know, guys like Aleem McNeil, like really rising to the occasion. Like the way they've developed guys on these rookie deals have been awesome. But like – it's just not a veteran presence. Like they just don't have like a top ten guy anywhere. They they've been able to like. <laughs> where where would you throw that in? I'm curious. I, like Aiden Hutch is like leading the league in pressures, but like. I, Are you doing strictly defense? No top ten guys. I thought you I thought you threw offense into that as well. I, I'm I'm saying anywhere, but I did also just throw Laporta as like the second best tight end in the league. Yeah, because uh, right I think Amon Ross St. Brown is in the mix for like seventh best receiver, maybe sixth. Because I, I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent all year and he just keeps evolving and becoming more and more of a target hog, but he's not like limited to one specific use. Like, okay, he's not like the biggest deep threat in the world, but he can beat you underneath. He can beat you over the middle. He can beat you down the sideline. Like, I've been. I've been watching a lot of Sun God and me likey what I see. I get it. He is really good. Uh, I'm I'm going on 33rd team right now. I'm going on their edge uh, just to see. I, I just want to look at where he's lining up because I just for like I just think of him in my head as like slot hound. And he's not like he's not a slant merchant by any means, but like. I just, I just feel like a lot of it is volume, and they've had Jamison and uh, Josh Reynolds winning so much on the outside. I know Amon Ra can win on the outside. I, I remember writing up that crazy uh, Vikings comeback, uh, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's just interesting to me where, uh, where he sort of falls in this mix. He is really good. He's very good. I won't get that He's wrong. giving me like 90% 2021 Cooper Cup vibes right now. Like he's not. That's lofty. I respect yeah, well, that's that. That's why I said lofty. 90%. He's not. He's not 2021 <laughs> Cooper Cup. I'll make that very clear. But I feel like he does most of the same things, does them well, and has a lot of the same X factor where if it's a big moment, he's making the catch. And he's probably dragging two guys down with him while he reaches for the first down. That's fair. <laughs> 
ninety percent of a uh, yeah he's he's got forty. Here's where it is. He's got forty three snaps from the outside. He's got five receptions for seven uh, seventy nine yards and a touchdown. So he can do it. It's just a matter of like, yeah, I guess I'll I'll give it to you. I'm not trying to like completely uh, fight back with you on this. I think he's really good. Top ten just feels lofty to me right now, and I am a sun god guy. Trust me, I you know me. I was on the Amon Ra. <laughs> People who've listened to this podcast for long enough know how high you and I were on. The Detroit Lions. Well, that's why, I, like, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is no longer like they're our cute, fun pet team. We're oh, it's we full of but they're very seriously now. Yeah, but still love them as much as we always have and will. It's that's that's a good stuff for me because I do like them. I like them a lot, but like the two teams we spent most of this show talking about, Niners and the Eagles. I just I don't know how they compare. I just I, I want to see them go up against like super top tier talent because even their defense had a problem with like the Seahawks. And I get that was week two. I get that's really early and they haven't had any big losses since. And that, you know, was also an overtime game. Like their one loss on the year is, is pretty small, unlike the only like, one of the only other four and one teams, Miami who I think will be at a lot of, like, number ones this week, and that kind of – Aaron Schatz brought it up. Flies under the radar that uh, their one loss was just an absolute blowout. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just – I'm not trying to do the Bill Simmons, like, can I see it? Can I see it? Uh, I, I just – you know, next week against Baltimore, big test. Uh, at is going to be really interesting. I'm never a what's the spread on that game kind of guy, but what's the spread on uh, Baltimore, Detroit? That's going to tell me a lot about how people are feeling about the Lions at this point. Why doesn't ESPN show that? What's wrong? With I was literally about to ask that. I was like, you guys are getting in bed with these guys. How? Why haven't? Why don't you have gambling numbers yet? Well, they do um, on their mobile site. So how do they not have it on their desktop site? It maybe it's sense. early. It's probably it's probably early lines. Uh, PF does PFF have it? Uh, PFF won't have this week, but let me check week seven for that. It's, it's probably it's probably too weak to really set lines. No, they have they have some. Oh, it's Baltimore two and a half. Which yes, they're, they're pretty not much, believing yet. Start believing, people. Have you they're seen pretty Baltimore's much the last two weeks. I'm not I like Baltimore's the home team. That's it. That's a Baltimore like very slight favor. They. The home advantage has gone down a lot. Yeah, it's Recently, like a, I'd call it a point and a half points instead of two and a half three. So basically, what they're telling us is they think the Ravens are one point better than the Lions, yeah. which I wouldn't say if you've been watching those two teams the last six weeks. Uh, I, mm, it's tough. I'm I. Lamar Jackson's I, the best player on the field. I get that, but Lions have a lot of really good ones, and the Ravens have. Yeah, some question marks and a lot of injuries. Did you have a lot? Of, a lot of injuries is a big, uh, big part of that. And we just know. talked about all the guys we trust to catch patches passes for the Lions. This is this is turning into a week seven preview of one game instead of a chat about the uh, contender status of the Lions. But all these guys you love that catch patches for the Lions and none 
aside from, you know, tight end volume guy Mark Andrews. And Zay, jo- Zay Flowers finally getting his first touchdown today after dropping like four last week. Stop. Don't t- stop it. I know. I get it. But I'm such a Zay, I'm such a Zay Flowers guy. I'm also such a Rashad Bateman truther. That guy, I'm going to give up on him soon. Uh, <laughs> you bet. I, I can't keep being a Rashad Bateman truther. Your Rashad Bateman trutherness led me to put him down as my breakout pick in our like spreadsheet column this year when Nolan sent that around. And I didn't have any basis for that. I just couldn't think of like who else would qualify because like rookies don't count because you expect certain rookies to be good. So I was like, who hasn't popped yet that has a chance to pop? And I was like, oh, Kale's always talking about Rashad Bateman. I agree. Rashad Bateman could pop this year. No, not popping. It was also just like Rashad Bateman – felt like the only uh only like out like true wide out x receiver that they had uh on the roster uh like you've got mark andrews at tight end he's playing he's playing in line tight end uh sometimes like lining up in the slot occasionally but you say flowers almost predominantly a slot guy out of boston college Odell Beckham played, I think, 70 to 80% uh, of his snaps in the slot when he was with the Rams. Like, this should have been the no-brainer. He should have been the X. And then by week two, when Nelson Aguilar uh, was getting was getting more uh, targets out wide than uh, Bateman, it was kind of Jover, but I don't know. Jover like Flacco. Uh Man, I'm I'm excited about the rest of the Lions season. That's that's back to the the other subject, but we'll 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 shelf them for now. We'll come back to the Lions as the year goes on. Just know that I will not waver at any point on the 2023 Detroit Lions. But now we got to talk about teams that stink because we've gotten to the point in the season where seasons are officially over. I feel like even even one and four, you're like, okay, it's been bad, but it's early enough that if we win one, we get to two and four. Then we start to talk about, you know, maybe sneaking in that last wild card spot. But you get to one and five, you're just toast. And there are currently six teams that are one and five, or in the case of the unfortunate Carolina Panthers, oh and six. So what I wanted to do is have a little fun. And it's actually a callback, Kale, to our uh, awards pod last year, where we said, uh, I don't remember what year in it. You came up with some crazy titles for those awards, but your your fixer upper of the year, team I could fix. Uh, there's six candidates at this point, and I just want you to make the case for one because there's six pretty bleak situations right now. So you could pick in the AFC the Patriots or the Broncos. In the NFC, you could pick the Giants, Bears, Cardinals, or the aforementioned Carolina Panthers. Who is your fixer-upper? Jackson. <laughs> Jackson. Don't sing. What's this? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I teed this up for you and I picked them as the winner of this category this year and you've shouted me down but now let's do it Fix them. I I can fix the New England Patriots <laughs> <laughs> I can do it Jackson <laughs> I'm so convinced I'm so con- dude did you see how many players got injured for them today <laughs> <It's> insane <laughs> An insane amount of players got injured. They're going to bottom out uh, this team. Oh, my God. I got to pull up. 
I want to do like a legit, this might be the thing that launches our newsletter is like looking ahead at some of these really bad teams. You and I both take one. We try to fix them. Oh my God. It's going to be awesome. We're so back. Uh, The Vikings are going to blow up. One of us are going to land. Someone's going to land. Uh, 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 Justin Jefferson, but if you don't like, I'm throwing, I'm throwing 25 mil a year. At Mike Evans, Patriots have the most cap space in football. They can absolutely do it. Uh, you're weirdly kind of set at edge. Uh, like you, you like I think you kind of eat the money on Judon. Uh, it, I forget if Judon is another year or not. Uh, they I forget if the uh the more money they gave Judon this year now gives them. Uh, an extra year or if no Judon's gonna be down as an outside linebacker sorry I'm like I, I'm like racing through spot rack trying to look at active uh, or 2024 free agents yeah no, he's not a UFA until 2025 he's he is oh, okay. Year okay. And then some kind of option for 2025 because this defense is good man like you, you're set you're set at all three levels uh you've oh no this is the year that Duggar hits the market Right, that sounds right. Based on his draft year, yeah, you're throwing you're throwing a bag of Duggar to keep him, and then you've got Duggar, Gonzalez, Jawan, uh, and like just kind of a murderer's row on the D line. It hasn't hasn't looked like it this year, but like feels like it to me on paper. When you've got uh, Judon coming off the edge, basically schemed up for free, uh, along with Uche. Keon White, uh, Christian Barmer up the middle. I wish that man could play run defense. Uh, but, like, your defense is set, uh, and then you're kind of just throwing uh, all your money at uh, wide receivers, offensive line, and uh, you're taking your quarterback 1-1. This is also we're apparently getting uh, Steve, uh, Steve Palazzolo at PFF floated out like uh some tweet uh we might be getting the best draft prospects that we've seen in recent memory at four different positions and i think i know he was referring to quarterback in caleb williams wide receiver in marvin harrison jr uh and the one of them he was also throwing out i don't know the name off the top of my head because i haven't gotten this deep in the class yet but one of them was tackle uh, so if we've got one of the best prospects ever, I'm assuming it's not a one tackle draft. I'm assuming we can get other tackles in this draft. If I'm GM, uh, I'm throwing it at somebody. Uh, but if not, it's not a great, it's not a great class. It's Tyron Smith hitting the market. It's Donovan Smith hitting the market for Kansas city. They, they're all like ancient men, Dwayne Brown, Donovan Smith, like it's it's a really bad yeah. free agency. You draft tackles, you don't pay them in free agency for the most part. The occasional I, one. Comes I know out. New England doesn't. Yeah, but yeah. like even even most guys. Like I know uh, Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas City, and Cleveland have kind of tried to do it, and it hasn't really worked out. But if you were looking to do it this year, work for Trent Williams, I guess. Have have like fun with goat left Jermaine. tackle stuff. I was gonna, I was gonna say, if you're trying to do it this year, have fun working with, uh, like the like the next rung down is Yash Nijman, uh, Jermaine Illuminor, Cam sure. Fleming, Isaiah Wynn, Billy Turner for the Jets. Like, 
I'm familiar <laughs> with some of those names. Chuma Doga. Yes. These are these are <laughs> men's men. Uh I don't know. Is is Unwenu on the market too? That's same yes. draft class. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough thing. one. That's a really tough one. This it's actually a really it's a pretty solid interior lineman market. Uh just like quick eyeballs. Uh Vitae, Andres Pete, uh Cam Fleming in Denver. They they list him a tackle, but you can move him to guard. He's played both. Uh Connor McGovern for the Jets. He's he hasn't been great. Uh I don't know. It's a, it's a better market in the interior than a tackle. Uh, and you're not really looking to convert any of those guys. But I don't know. The Patriots, the Patriots issues are so damn glaring. But you have so many young projects at receiver uh that you're really just looking for uh Another tight end to replace Hunter Henry, uh, a quarterback, uh, you know, obviously a wide receiver one and tackles like like you're dumping all your money into the offense because, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, but in that sense, I, I was going to say, like, wow, they have all these guys and not one to get open. And you just listed like four positions that are somewhat tough to find top tier talent at. But you're right. It, it, it is all the offense because all these other teams that are on our list here, I, I have big concerns about both sides of the ball. I was going to say Denver is the worst because I think Denver is in the worst spot on both sides of the ball right now. Denver's going to eat the nastiest cap hit we've ever seen next year when they <laughs> cut Russell Wilson out, right? Um, it's not going to be good. <laughs> what the heck? Like... I, is Ajiro Vero the greatest defensive coordinator of all time? Because how were they like it's the be best defense in the league last year and the worst defense we've ever seen this year? True, truly the worst defense of the DVOA era. <laughs> so bad. Uh, it's it's a huge problem, and it's it is so funny that uh, like the defense played well against Kansas City, yeah. <laughs> like well, of, of all their games. And they'll Kansas never City get credit. Play on Thursdays, and we don't end up talking. And Mondays, and we don't end up talking about them as much as we should. They're just like skating along, almost like yeah. the Bills tonight, just skating on by. They'll never get credit on this pod. No. Uh, but of, of the other teams, you said uh, Chicago. I don't want to touch because it feels cursed. Uh, uh, Panthers are kind of my other one because people people were encouraged today about Bryce. I don't know if I agree. It's tough not having that first overall pick. I forget what else they gave up in that Bears trade. I think it was either a third or a fourth this year. I think you're right. And and DJ Moore, obviously. Who and DJ Moore. Looks but good, but DJ Moore lost goes. He's looked good in stretches. He, he does that fun thing where like he, he it's very Christian McCaffrey where he turns a, a two yard dot pass into a thirty yard gain uh by making five people miss. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, I love when he does it. Uh, but yeah, they've got this weird roster. Adam Thielen's just like a good player again. Which, if anyone was going to be good, I thought it was going to be Shark as like a deep ball guy. Uh, but you kind of need an offensive line for that. And again, you need an offensive line, and now you're just without a first round draft pick. Uh, that's very tough. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to like. 
who else is in this? I, I just want to be able to touch every team. Here. Yeah, the Cardinals are kind of the one we haven't talked about. And the Vikings, who we briefly mentioned by saying you think Justin Jefferson's gone, but it's it's not designed to have lots of good options. I'm not. I'm still not sure I would take the Pats as one one in this awful awful oh, draft. Draw one, one, there's a very strong case. I'm so excited to see what Matt Grow and Gerard Mayo do next year. I'm with that. I uh, I want uh, anything to end this current regime of post Brady Pats football where they just keep trying to pretend like everything's fine. So I'm I'm glad that the last I'm gonna say. Two and a no, no, last three. I forgot that the Cowboys game was as bad as it was. The last three games have just ended any facade of them still having any chance of even winning like a single game because now we can start to move forward because it was so bad for two and a half years watching this team middle and win all the games that they should, but barely, and then lose all the games they should, but give you just enough hope somewhere in the middle that they could still do decent things on the football field. I am I'm very glad we're not living in that reality anymore because that was Pat's purgatory. How bad is it going to be when the uh, Patriots play themselves out of Caleb uh, when they beat the Jets for the second time? Because uh, that's the that's the only team they have yeah. the ability to beat. I agree. But uh, they, they just put Zach Wilson in a prison. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want Caleb at this uh, at this stage? Uh- I, I don't. I'm not gonna put one Notre Dame game against him. Yeah, I'm not either. But I don't know. There's other good guys. You want Drake? You want Drake May? Like he's kind of fun. I don't. I don't watch enough UNC football yet to like have. He threw some, he some dimes against Syracuse. Uh, also, I've heard good things. <laughs> like Solak keeps kind of like very quietly mentioning Drake May QB one. I don't care. I don't care. And Nate. Tice will retweet like, oh, you know ball. Uh, so like that's my full exposure to Drake May being the one B to Caleb Williams. Yeah. Uh, it's weird that I like, it's weird that I, I like won't Williams the most still. I'm yeah. kind of messing around, but it's weird, it's weird that yeah. I won't watch uh oh also uh the Victoria Dirtbag Queer on Twitter also does a lot of like Caleb truthering about his stance while like his stance while throwing his release point i've got to watch more of those jt o'sullivan qb school videos because i know he's done a bunch on the college guys and i think he did some early caleb stuff uh but there's got to be some mechanic stuff in there that uh that had her scared uh she was she was very like i don't know how we're making this mistake again like this is a problem you don't draft uh you don't draft oklahoma guys it's the offense. It's not what? the guy. Which like Jalen Hurts. That guy. Oh, I was I was leaning more uh, Kyler and uh, Kyler and Baker, but I forgot Jalen Hurts did a did a little gap year there. Yeah, did a yeah. Uh, semester abroad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> semester in Norman, Oklahoma. Residency. What we call it? Yeah, I call it a residency with. Uh, with the Oklahoma offense for a year, but I don't know, man. Like we, we have the same conversation. We have the same two conversations. It's either, Oh, this guy was QB one all along or, you know, like we, we have all, let me, let me go back. 
Mahomes was not considered QB1 in his draft. Allen was not considered QB1 in his draft. Deshaun Watson wasn't considered QB1 in this draft, and he looked great for a while. So for all the instances of, oh, we overthought it, for all the instances of, you know, Zach Wilson's not panning out or, you know, obvious one ones, like sometimes you just don't really know who's going to pop from a QB class. So yeah, as much as I'm – leaning towards Caleb being my guy. Like if the Pats get the fourth pick and end up with Drake may, I'm going in with a very open mind. I don't know. It's I'm also not totally out of the camp of like, take a guy one and then take a guy in like the fourth as a flyer. Oh, you, you want Kirk cousins. I, I want to do that system. I want it like that's the right way to do it. Like if you're totally shot on a quarterback, you're going to keep Malik in the building probably, uh, which we'll talk about Malik. I don't get intentions. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought him up. I'm still mad at him. I'm still mad at Bill (laughs) for doing that. Uh, But you're going to, if you're going to keep Malik in the building, uh, you now have a flyer on a UDFA guy who is highly productive uh, and like is somewhat promising from preseason. You, then have a true blue chip first round guy and you have a like maybe a high ceiling day two day three flyer uh there's no harm in that i i think you take as many as many shots as you need because the quarterback is the thing that's truly sinking you right now i think it's the same thing that like carolina shouldn't shy away from taking a second guy if they don't think bryce young is good it's the same reason i plotted uh Detroit, especially for taking Hendon Hooker when they had Jared Goff. And even with uh, the Lions GM, whose name is escaping me, coming out last week and saying, like, it's crazy to ever think that uh, Jared Goff is a stopgap. It's been really interesting seeing Ben Johnson kind of prop him up. Uh, He's had his highest rate of deep throws uh, of his career. Uh, The ADOT is, like, not totally up there yet, but, like, He's throwing more deep passes than he ever has, which is interesting. Uh, but, like, they're pushing him to his limits. Uh, but, yeah, I respect uh, I respect the Lions for at least taking a shot on Hendon Hooker to see, like, hey, what do we have here? Like, can he be a guy with a higher ceiling than Jared Goff? Maybe. Like, I don't know. I, I like that strategy. It, it Constantly try and get better, never be complacent. I, I wanted to be a guy that was going to come in here and make the Arizona Cardinals case uh, for the They're playing um, scrappy. I don't hate them. I don't. I don't know, man. I just don't think. I don't think Kyler's the guy to be the fixer upper. So that just puts them back in the quarterback mishmash. With oh, the, oh, I'm treating this like they're firmly in the quarterback conversation. Yeah, and since they're in that, like, I don't think they have that much around. All they have is like some spunk and some first year head coach like okay Jonathan Gannon's not as much of a disaster as we thought but sorry you know when I watched them play today I was like wow they still really don't have anything on this football team are you not a fan of of Dennis Gardeck the barbarian are you not a fan of I don't know like the like just getting linebackers and Kazir White I really only had Dennis Gardeck in there yeah uh, uh, Short answer, no. Long answer, uh, I'll believe it when I grind tape on Dennis Garbeck. Uh, Garbeck's awesome. Yeah. Garbeck, uh, Garbeck has four sacks this year, Jackson. That's, that's amazing. 
Very proud of him. Somebody has to get sacks when Daniel Jones is just sitting in the pocket for you. So glad that he was the one to uh, stack his bread that way. Let's talk about game balls, Kale. Uh, we almost had a perfect transition when we started dipping back into Detroit talk there. Uh, so I'll lead with my Detroit game ball. Hey, wait, did we talk about Amon Ross St. Brown already at some point in the podcast? Here he is, 12 catches today, Kale. That is a new career high. Would have thought maybe he had 12 at some point in his career. Nope, 12, 124. An epic touchdown that was made epic by Craig Reynolds' block. So I'm going to give Craig Reynolds a hold of laces on this game ball. And uh, you know what? Jerry Goff can have a couple laces too because I'm continually wowed by the box scores that Jerry Goff's putting up at the end of the weeks. Threw for 340-something today, if I'm not mistaken. And it's not like he's putting up MB stats. All the advanced metrics say he's good too. So it's all the lines, but really it's Amon Ra because he's my spirit animal. Amon Ra's been awesome. Uh, like there's there's no doubt in it, uh, and this has been a pretty solid uh, Tampa Bay defense. So <laughs> I've won been pretty, Super Bowl. yeah. yeah. Keep like, coming back to it. That team won a Super Bowl. We no, Whitehead uh, on that Super Bowl team, so they're missing guys. But like, yeah, this is pretty core to who they are. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with them. Uh, hats off. Yeah, you you got the right guy. They're leading um, that division, by the way. Yeah. They are. They <laughs> are, Jackson. I know. Hey, uh, Packers are on a bye, and they've played two of their like worst games of the season going into the bye. So maybe they'll have some and uh, you know some answers coming out of it. We'll see. Uh, Jackson, can I can I keep it a buck with you? Weren't a ton of good game balls. Like like offense was pretty pretty stagnant this week i'll give you uh, that uh like i don't know like you look at the highest scoring games like i don't know only a handful broke 20 uh there was no one on the jaguars that really completely stood out uh washington like not a ton of standouts there i wasn't gonna give baltimore a game ball for zay getting his first touchdown then you kind of just look at miami <laughs> Just nuts. Doing just, just nuts stuff. Uh, hey, Raheem Mostert kind of just had the most pedestrian 17 for 115 and two touchdowns. There's like, there's always and, a, and a receiving touchdown. Throw that and in. Receiving right. touchdown. Oh, God. He had, th- wait, he had three. He did. Oh, my God. Do you know yeah, how many the- touchdowns Raheem Mostert has this year, Kale? It's like 11, right? Yeah, it leads the NFL. Yeah, he's crazy. Uh, yeah, so it's got to be it's got to be Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, like secondary shout out there for the again like everything in Mike McDaniel's offense just looks so pedestrian. Like Tyreek Hill, outside of like breaking out of that tackle that eventually gave him some cramps where he had to just it's like all right, you guys win this round. <laughs> I'm gonna take a blow on the sideline, but like before that, just. Just such a cool, casual six for 163 in a score. God, this team's awesome. This team's so much fun. They really are. It's uh, it's a little bit messed up that uh, they just do it. Can't play defense. <laughs> like, they, they really had the one blip, and even that, they had, like, good drives to start that game. But other than that, it's it's 
you just expect them to be the most electric thing on NFL fields every week. And for the most part, they've been delivering every week. So I don't like we we almost don't talk about it enough because we saw that they are human, that they are flawed in, in some way with that Bills game. And since then, we've kind of backed off on Dolphins hype. But wow, like there's there's a lot to be scared of if you're going up against them in a playoff game. Not it's you got to be scared of exactly one side of the ball. It's true. Uh, Their defense, yeah. There, it's a good point because for a while there, the Carolina Panthers were moving the ball all over that defense. They were showing shots of nervous Fangio in the box. They were down fourteen nothing, and I was getting clowned for pointing out the Dolphins were minus eleven hundred in our group chat. But at the end of the day, Panthers get a Panther, and Dolphins get a Dolphin. Yeah, they're they're too good. I'm we're. Few weeks away. Next next week's game against the Eagles is going to be fun, but uh, those they've got a they've got a stretch uh, where they host the Patriots, then the Chiefs. That's just oh, I'm gonna have so much fun watching both those games for so very different reasons. <laughs> you don't think the Patriots are going to finally win one in Miami, Kale? That's not it's not on the cards this year. It's it's the game Kendrick Bourne finally starts catching those deep balls from Mac. Yeah, they really have the personnel to match up with Tyreek again and and keep him contained as well. So I, at some there. point the secondary is going to heal. At some point, uh, at some point, uh, Marcus Jones is going to be able to like run again, and John yeah. Jones is going to be like a fast guy again. And yeah, we're I, don't, I don't know. Jack Jones comes. Is Jack Jones done for the year? I have uh, no, no Gonzalez is done for the year. Jack Jones, Jack Jones can come back around. Jack Jones has had like legal issues too. I have no idea what's. No, they get, no, he got dismissed. He's chilling. I know, I know, he's like cleared, but I just ever since that happened, I stopped being able to track what was going on with Jack Jones week to week because in the back of my mind it was like the other shoe could always drop, and now it just doesn't matter because they stink. So if at some point it becomes relevant for me to check check the uh, Jack Jones week to week goings on, then I will. But Jackson, who yeah. among us hasn't brought a gun into the airport? <laughs> who among us hasn't brought a gun in, in their carry-on? There's still levels to terrible NFL crimes, but let's just stop committing crimes altogether as a league. That's what I say. It'd be uh, ideal, yeah. That'd be really nice. Uh, defensive game ball, I'm going to let you go first this time. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't keep track as much week to week as you do with game balls you are our chronicler in that regard but if we haven't given a game ball to quincy williams at this point we should man plays like a shot out of a dang cannon uh 12 total tackles on this game a a bunch of crucial solo tackles a couple big tackles for loss as well ones i wanted to point out though there there were a couple i highlighted early and now i have to go back to them but more specifically set up a huge stop uh, right before the two-minute warning, kind of blew up a DeAndre Swift run uh, that set up that Adams interception return. Uh, Also recovered a C.J. Mosley fumble. That was pretty majorly game-changing because uh, the first interception that uh, Jalen Hurts threw the one to Quinnen Williams, uh, again, didn't totally feel like his fall, kind of felt like a blip. Uh, 
but being able to pick up like they came right back down the next drive like they got the jets on a fourth down turnover eagles immediately come back down score a touchdown go up 14-3 jets are back in the picture eagles are kind of driving they basically just had crossed midfield Mosley gets a big play, but CJ, like for that punch out, I'm watching it right now. Quincy just comes, scoops and scores it, almost drops it and immediately dives back on it. A game-changing play if he doesn't uh, fall on that. Uh, a huge, huge deal there. That's what gets the Jets within one score because they score before halftime. Eagles never find the end zone again. Uh, part of that's to a missed field goal. Part of that's to just some other incredible defensive play by the Jets, but Quincy's Quincy's really evolved in the last few weeks and or, or last few years, really. Uh, there's a reason that the Jets basically rostered C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, and then four linebackers uh, that had a combined 250 total snaps of defensive play coming into this year. Uh, two of whom were like day three slash UDFA walk-ons. Like, like they had put a ton of trust into these two. And I think that trust, especially with Quincy, has been earned. Uh, it's a good game ball, Kale. Uh, you asked if I had chronicled uh, if and when Quincy Williams had ever gotten a game ball before. Uh, what would you say if I told you he got one last week? That's what I was worried about. Yeah. What if I told you that you were the one that gave him the game ball? Again, Jackson, that's what I was worried about. This is what I was referring to. <laughs> I like the precedent so you much that me. it absolutely stands. You could have stopped me so early in this talk, and I would have just pivoted and been like, "Oh yeah, uh, I'll give it. I'll give it to uh, Martin Emerson, like I had said before, because he had a bunch of really good plays in this game. No, he could stop me, but I wouldn't have been able to wax poetic about Quincy Williams for the second week in a row. Yeah, there that's what it. I like. Like you, I just you love Quincy. It, so it sounded like you were so confident that he hadn't gotten one that I thought I was remembering you giving it to a different Jets defender last week, and then I heard you give the exact same like plays like you shot out of a cannon spiel, and I thought Dude, maybe he does. <laughs> It's, it's my one thing about him is that he just plays so far, like so hard downfield and run fits. And and sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes he blows up a guy and other times he just runs straight past a dude. The other reason I didn't stop you, aside from the fact that I thought you might be joking because you gave the same spiel was because, again, I got mixed up between Quincy Williams and Quinnen Williams because Quinnen Williams also had a big play today. And that just reminds me that the Jets are the most confusing name team in the history of the NFL. And I don't know how we got to this point. It's Bryce Hall, Brees Hall, Quinton Williams, Quincy Williams, Michael Carter, Michael Carter. How? Um, can we, what if we just scrapped the whole thing and gave it to Max Crosby for a game-winning <laughs> Not allowed because two Patriots refused to block him on that play. Dude, we're going to talk about players not being blocked in a little bit <laughs> uh, my defensive game ball my defensive game ball is blake cashman Ooh. right cashman's nephew question mark i don't know could be uh blake cashman is a texans linebacker for those of you that don't know that had 15 tackles today that's pretty cool 
Uh, he also, among those 15 tackles, had two of them for losses. He had two pass deflections in addition to that, and he also got a hit in on Derek Carr. He's a reclamation project, Kale. Texans got him from those very same New York Jets we were just talking about uh, at the start of the 2022 season when they flipped a six-rounder over there for him. So the fact that that, in terms of draft capital, is now leading to lead NFL tackler-type production, and it's not like he's kind of everywhere on the field right now. He's getting involved in the pass game. He's stuffing the run, ruling the middle of the field in a way that, like, you're more non-Fred Warner-coded linebackers strive to do because, you know, if you're the freak athlete of all freak athletes, there are certain things you can do that Blake Cashman can't. But in terms of just, like, tough guy, smart guy, you know, in the right place at the right time type stuff, I feel as though this guy is setting himself apart on a team that is now coached by a great linebacker in his own right, D'Amico Ryans. So I think this is just the first of many guys that will come in the building in Houston that will be hit with the D'Amico effect, and I look forward to seeing others. Because if you would ask me to identify Blake Cashman out of the lineup coming into the season, absolutely couldn't have done it. Now, looks like a star. Hell yeah. I love guys like that are what's awesome about getting deep in the NFL. Like I, like I, I pulled the Dennis Gardeck uh, against Steve Palazzolo PFF references him a lot. He's a bit of a darling there, but like uh, th- there are so many guys that jump out at me. Uh, like I'll always go to bat uh, for Chidobia Wuzie on the Bengals. Uh, Cause he was producing like a top 10 corner in the league before blowing his knee out. Uh, he's been awesome there. I'll, I'll always go to bat for a Jack Sanborn, uh, fall in love with his tape, just being a huge volume guy, uh, UDFA linebacker for the bears. Uh, when you, when you really get into the, like into the weeds and you get out of the NFL top 100 guys, uh, and, and out of the main fantasy names, you find a lot of really cool stories and a lot of like, really fun players to get into. So I'm glad you're starting to, you know, really get into it and find your guys. Cause those, those are guys you're going to go to bat for forever. Hey, I've had guys before. You've had guys, guys. You've had guys but that like, this that's is, a guy's this guy is, right there. No, this is Blake Cashman is an in the weeds guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt like I saw a lot of Texans defensive stuff today. And I was like, wait, this guy's good. Like they have, they have kind of, I don't want to say minimal talent on that defense, but they don't have household names by any means, aside from third overall pick Will Anderson, who I still think is going to be awesome at some point. Jalen Dietrich, Derek Stingley. They have guys. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Stingley, who they drafted third overall last year. So they're, they're stacking up the talent for sure. But I, I'm more impressed that D'Amico Ryans can pull a guy like that out of the hat and turn him into a, you know, number one linebacker than I am by, you know, the other stuff they've done around the margins. And I think that's only going to continue to lead to more success. Very in on the Texans this year. Yeah. I've, they've fully kind of escaped me. I've watched a lot of like Stroud highlights and I've watched a lot of like Stroud film breakdowns. But the one thing I've kind of been uh, neglecting is the fact that like I, I really haven't watched a ton of Texans. But yeah, what he's able to do right now with like, 
Well, kind of just feels like Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard is pretty, pretty cool so far. I'm glad he's starting to find more and more pieces to kind of really put together his group. I agree. Well, Kale, uh, we didn't have any notable game-winning field goals this week that I can think of. We had a notable missed game-winning field goal, uh, and we had a notable missed field goal in Sunday Night Football that almost led to the Giants coming away with the win. So who are you going to pick as your special team's game ball, knowing that they didn't make it easy for you this week? Jackson, I didn't do my homework. (laughs) Jackson, I'm taking Brandon McManus, Jacksonville Jaguars kicker. He went three. He went three for three on field goals, longest of fifty-one. He went four for four on extra points. He did his job. It didn't have an effect on the game because if he missed every single one of those, Jacksonville Jaguars still would have won because <laughs> he scored thirteen points and they won by seventeen. But. Hats off to Brandon McManus for being perfect. Sick, buddy. Uh, I I have no qualms with that. Like, seven made kicks is a good, honest day. That's kind of how they choose special teams players of the week in the NFL as well. So wouldn't be surprised if Brandon McManus is your AFC special teams player of the week by any means. Uh, I'm going to throw out a punter, which I don't think we've done yet so far this year. Or if we have, I, I think you did one punter. At I've, I've only done I've only done college punters. The NFL yeah. NFL yes, punter man. landscape is still still ripe for the picking. Uh, I felt like Thomas Morstead had a really big impact on the Jets winning that game. I felt like all of his punts did exactly what they needed to do. He had. The coward punt of all coward punts today was uh, Sala not kicking the 57-yarder when your kicker is named Greg the Leg, taking the intentional delay of game penalty to set up a punt from the uh, Eagles 44. Uh, but he downed it at the 7, so he did exactly what he needed to do in that situation. Then he had two 54-yarders and a 49-yarder, and all three of them resulted in drives starting inside the 20. So... That's it. Like, <laughs> I get that punting is not the highest impact job on an NFL team, but you want to talk about like guys who did their job properly this week? Thomas Morstead, who's been doing it, I think, longer than any other punter that I can think of right now. Maybe there's a couple more veteran guys that are just missing in my head, but Thomas Morstead's been around a long time, dude, and he's been really good for a long time. So glad to see he's still banging it. Yeah, man, he's 37. He's an old man. Uh, it is it is really funny that uh, there was this weird rotation. Uh, there was this weird rotation where uh, Patriots land a new punter. He goes, uh, they get rid of, I, I now am blanking on their punter, who I'll have to pull out now. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, their old punter Jake Bailey goes to the Dolphins. The Dolphins no longer need Thomas Morstead, so he then goes to the Jets. So there's a fun little musical chairs of AFC East punters this year. Yeah, there's always crazy musical chairs going on with specialists, and punters are no different. Jake Bailey being the Dolphins punter is wild. I can tell you that uh, the fact uh, who that Michael Pilardi. He was the worst punter I've ever seen last year for the Patriots. So anyone that can get better than that guy 
he was he was uh, the replacement for Jake Bailey. Uh, the current guy is Bryce Beringer, and I have no thoughts on him whatsoever because the Patriots don't have a team that makes me worry about when they punt. Whatever, whatever. They're all better than the three percenter they drafted. That was a kicker, but stands. I thought he did both. I thought Rohrwasser was a kicker and punter. I thought that was like why they don't like the NFL him. anymore. And, and, got, and got rid of all their morals to draft a three percenter. It's not a thing. It's not, there's not dual kicker punters just happening in the NFL in 2023. That's crazy. Yeah, there um, are. Their name is Andre Smite. He got sure. caught by the Bears like a month before the season. I drafted him in fantasy out of pride. Yeah. He doesn't somebody doesn't know Syracuse football lore because anybody anybody who's been deep in Syracuse football Twitter would have known Schmidt happens, Kill. I I still call him Smite. <laughs> I shouldn't. Probably not. <laughs> but S Z M Y T is not Schmidt. It's Polish. Get with the program. Uniform games of the week. You talked about it, Kale. Best uniform week of the year. Not particularly close. Can list off many honorable mentions, but won't in the interest of time. I think I'm just going to go first and give it to Bucks Lions because A, I'm wearing a Lions hat, and B, this is like not that far off the uh, Bucks color scheme from today. This uh, pullover I'm wearing here. So. Kind of dressed for the part, and boy, what a gorgeous game that was. Uh, and I told you, told you in our chat this morning, uh, it was going to look even better under the afternoon sun in Tampa in the 405 window. Absolutely correct. Everything about that uniform game was A+. Yeah, I let you call that one early because I tried to make a, a call quick. Uh, it was awesome, man. That that I, I watched that game on condensed replay during this pod. I just kept looking up, and I was like, "Man, it's gorgeous! Man, this game is beautiful!" Like, th- like, uh, just I don't know. It there's not a lot of those pastel-y sort of NFL matchups, like the creamsicle orange and the Honolulu blue and the whites and silvers. Uh, it the, there's not many teams that play in those uniforms, and it, and it was really awesome. Those that was a great game to watch visually. Yeah, and you also you can't like be a team now. Like if an expansion team pulled out creamsicle orange as one of their colors, I think we'd be like, what the heck? But the fact that it's like it's from the seventies and it's an old timey logo, and we hadn't seen it in almost twelve years, I think it was because of the NFL stupid helmet rule that they were trying to act like they were doing something about concussions that negated wearing two different color helmets for ten years. Uh, to finally have those back in our lives was excellent, and it only makes it better knowing that there are at least two more that I can think of during the year that are still yet to debut with the uh, the Eagles Kelly Greens and the Tennessee going with the Oilers throwbacks. So it's a beautiful thing when you have you know an easy slam dunk call of the past to the uniform department to just bring back and know you're going to please everybody. Tennessee hasn't done the Oilers ones this year? Not I yet. I thought they did. My bad. Uh, yeah, I don't they, think so. Maybe you're right. I I will push back on you saying that a team can pull off creamsicle this year. Kraken came into the league and and made their primary color seafoam green when they entered the NHL. I feel like after that, anything's sort of possible there. I I don't. 
Hmm. That's an interesting one because I love the, everything about the Kraken, but I still sort of feel like that's a different thing. But maybe you're right. Maybe that is like part of the ethos is is bringing in like a a totally new color. I don't know. Yeah, it, was, col- colorways, especially when you got like four different red, white, and blue teams or, huh. or offshoots of that uh, in the league. You uh, you got to come with something creative. And I and I think more teams should. I I don't know what else we're getting. Like a Mexico City team might go with their flag colors. If we put a London team in, they're almost definitely going red, white, and blue for the Union Jack. Like I don't know. We're not going to get too many interesting colorways. Uh, but we'll, well, the London we'll team should be brown for every food that they have in their country's culinary staples list. Bangers I, have, I have no <laughs> I truly have no input on a London team. Uh I love I love the city of London and eating there is fine. I just eat fish and chips. Uh but yeah, I guess that is brown. Uh I, say, I, I, I did just slight British food. I found these uh British potato chips at my supermarket this weekend that are uh, malt vinegar and sea salt, and they're just like way less vinegary than like a kettle chip or you so know, maize or whatever. They're I know so exactly good. Exactly what you're talking about. They're so yeah, good. So also, good. also a thing I wish ever made it stateside is uh is Aspal cider, uh, A S P A L L. I've tried forever to find it. It's it's my favorite cider on earth. Uh, hard cider. I, it's hard cider in America, but all ciders in uh, the UK are alcoholic. Uh, yeah, it's awesome, and I crave them all the time. And like the American equivalent of Angry Orchard just doesn't. Doesn't even come close to cutting it. Yeah, Angry Orchard's garbage. I've I've had some good ciders here, but I do think the best cider I've ever had was my one day in London, just like at some random food truck. So I support that notion. I just forgot about Down East cider, man. I I forgot about drinking Down East cider all the time in Syracuse. Uh, (laughs) I don't forget you doing that. That's for sure. It's good Uh, stuff. Uh, uh, my... in that vein. No, I didn't do a uniform game. We started talking about London. I apologize. We talked about London instead of Kale's uniform game. Go Good tangent. On. No, we need more tangents like this. We don't do <laughs> full. True. We don't do full non-football tangents. It's good. We need this. Uh, it's tough, man. It was a good Sunday, and I don't. I don't want to do the thing where I just start naming a bunch of names because uh, I can't think of uh, things to say. Uh, I will say my original one was San Francisco Cleveland, uh, but I feel like I've given a lot of love to San Francisco, so I'm gonna go away from that. Uh, but it, my whole bit was like, oh yeah, it's all the colors of autumn: uh, crimson, uh, yellow, or crimson, gold, orange, brown. Uh, it's all pretty autumn, yay! Uh, no, the best uniform game was Giants Bills. Uh, it's second best. Nothing bet. Nothing beats Lions, Bucks. But uh, those Giants all whites are awesome. Uh, the retro yeah. uniforms are great. Uh, the Bills, like I'm always so weird about the Bills, uh, all reds because they just remind me of like footy pajamas. Uh, they just they just like remind me of Josh Allen playing in like a big onesie, uh, and they're kind of weird like that. But- I don't get why they can't. If they're going to go all red, go red helmet as well. Because you also have a red helmet in your team's history. But 
if you're going to like keep wearing the white helmet, then go white pants and just have a cool red alternate jersey. That's my view on the Bills all reds. No, but I'm looking at a I'm looking at Leonard Williams sacking. Uh, I think no, is he second Rod Taylor? No, it's not second Rod Taylor. He's he's tackling Darius Slayton in the profile picture of, uh, not the profile picture, but the first video thumbnail in the Giants Bills GameCast ESPN screen. Uh, and the white accents look awesome because he's wearing white gloves and white sleeves and a white undershirt and the white stripes of the Bills. Like it all just works really well. Uh, I thought this was just like a great visually appealing game. I'll take it. It is very inverse color wise. It's it's one of those. I think it worked in this case, but it is funny how it's like, oh, the Bills are wearing red pants with white and blue trim. The Giants are wearing the exact opposite, where the blue trim is in the same place and just replace the white with the red. So I, yeah, I like that. Sometimes that I, doesn't I do that all the time. In this case, it did. I always randomly pick those games. That's true. And your other one today that you shouted out was. Uh, Rams Cardinals because just three primary, primary colors. colors. Romanian flag, Kale. Who doesn't love that? Uh, also, Colombian flag. Also, a lot of flags. There's a lot of flags that are red, yellow, and blue. This is a great observation that I hope uh, you come back with more next week and we'll debate them. Unfortunately, we have to get into head scratchers, though. And I don't, don't want to be the negative guy, but. Uh, in a week full of head scratchers, one really rose above the rest to me. And it wasn't one specific moment. It was just Desmond Ritter. His entire existence as an NFL starting quarterback experiment. I've been kind of leery about it from the jump because I feel like they've like kind of skated along on the outskirts of NFL relevancy for his entire tenure as a starter, where first it was, okay, they're kind of limping to the finish at the end of last year, but they're still winning some games. Oh, look, Desmond Ritter's 2-0. He beats, you know, two bad teams and barely. But, okay, positive start to the guy's career. Then, oh, he's 3-0 at home this year. They're 3-2, and tied for the lead in the division. Okay, cool. Let's let's keep riding this experiment out. Even though every time I had seen Desmond Ritter come on the screen, I felt like something bad was going to happen. Today, I got a taste of just bitter, bitter Falcons football. And I think what changed kind of the whole dynamic of the Desmond Ritter thing for me is watching where this division is at and watching like how good the rest of the Falcons on the offensive side of the ball are just being weighed down by Desmond Ritter at quarterback and Arthur Smith just kind of throwing his hands up like, I don't know what to do throughout the game. So really at the end of the game is where I want to get into it. The last three drives, they got the ball back with 10 and a half minutes left. They were down by eight and three drives. If any of them end in touchdowns, we're probably talking about overtime Falcons and Washington was just begging them to take that game. They're like, we don't want any more first downs. You guys just take the ball back try to tie this thing with a touchdown. Let's give the people some entertainment. Desmond Ritter just said, I don't want it. And the real start to this was third and two delay of game. Third third and goal from the two, I should say. That is inexcusable. Cannot happen under any circumstances. Turn a third and and goal from the two into a third and goal from the seven when you need a touchdown, by the way. Like field goal does you no good in the fourth quarter. So they end up, uh, I think they got it back to the two, if I'm not mistaken. I had the screenshot pulled up and I went away from it. But regardless, 
They then throw an interception. Desmond Ritter, that guy, throws an interception. Uh, and it was a really, really brutal one at that. Uh, so that was a sour moment. But they still get two more chances. Second drive was when I felt like they just dared Desmond Ritter to beat them because they tried handing it off to Bijan on first down and they stuffed it for two yards and said, okay, great, now you have to be the guy. And he gets sacked and then they end up turning it over on downs. So that, again, not my favorite Desmond Ritter moment of the day. And then on the final drive, they get it back inside their own 10-yard line and start moving the ball really well. All of a sudden, it's, it's looking like maybe Ritter's got some juice here. Oh, wait, no, he just threw another interception, a game-losing one this time. Who's the receiver there? I, I definitely have this written down, so I'm going back to it. Uh, uh, oh, so Bijan's running a slant, and the route just gets jumped right from the get-go. And any guy can look like if you're doing anything but just going through your progressions and like this is going to be open, so I'm going to throw it, you recognize that the route got jumped and Bijan has – Negative two steps on this corner, but Desmond Ritter just plops it right in his lap ball game on third and one, to be clear. So I where does that leave us? Like this Falcons team has first rounders all up and down their offense, and they're losing games in inexcusable fashions because they have a quarterback who doesn't belong in the NFL. I don't know what that means. Nothing good. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty frustrating to see. Uh I I, I, I'm under the impression I, I, from everything I've watched of the Falcons and uh, just given the roster as a whole, I, I do believe Arthur Smith is a good coach and I do believe he's coming up with like a genuinely creative offense. And I think this offense specifically has made strides in the three years that uh, they've played under Smith. But yeah, Ritter's just not the guy. And I don't know what you really do. Cause you're in such you're a winnable... be good enough to be you're not gonna be bad enough to be in the tank conversation because you have otherwise too easy. Like your schedule's too easy for you to bottom out. Like you're you're you can fumble your way into wins. Uh but I don't know. I I just don't understand why you don't give Taylor Heineke a shot at this point. I, I don't know what they're really waiting for uh, because, listen, say what you want about Taylor Heineke. Uh, he's been a competent starter for two years. He's not going to turn your like world upside down. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but like he's going to get you. He would be so energized by bringing just anyone but Ritter in at quarterback. They would love to play a couple weeks with Heineke. And just like, remember when the Jets wore the – you know, Mike White QB1 shirts or whatever it was last year on the team yes. bus. Like, that's that's how the Falcons would feel about a couple games with Heineke. I'm, I'm very interested to see when he sort of comes in because I don't really – I don't know the runway for it. Because, like, I, I mean, I don't know it because every game kind of feels like a good one. And they're by – when is their by? Uh yeah, they're they're by week eleven, which feels too little, too late. Uh, gotta be before. They've got a week. They've got a. Uh, they've got a stretch of home games at Tampa Bay and at Tennessee coming up the next two weeks. That honestly, if you don't do it this week, just wait till week nine. Tennessee is going to be a weird game with a hard defense. And. Uh, 
and Minnesota's like Florida's just going to throw the house at you, but it's in your home environment. You got a pretty decent offensive line there. You can at least try and make it work. There's going to, if you can process quickly, which Haneke has been able to do, and was able to handle a, a, an awesome uh, Eagles defense and a win against them last year. Like if you can handle that, there's going to be a ton open for you on the backside. They don't have fantastic defensive backs. Like that's probably your window. Yeah. This is exactly the team that needs the replacement level starter. This is good offense, bad schedule, just looking for a playoff berth at some point in the near future. Don't have like title expectations going to replace him at some point, but just get me into the dance. Cause we haven't felt anything in such a long time. And this I team would say, fun, but they're not. Cause that's, I, would, I wouldn't even say they need a, like a median level quarterback. They just need a bottom 10 quarterback, not a bottom five quarterback. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of what I mean by replacement starter. Like, no, but like I th- like I think the Jets, the Jets are like a playoff contender if they get like the 16th quarterback. Mm-hmm. If the Falcons have like the 24th guy, they're cooking. <laughs> like they just need a guy that's not 31st in yeah. in uh, in EPA per play. I remember bringing it up to you, uh, both you guys, and I can't remember if it was on the preseason predictions pod or just in our texts leading up to it. But I said, what does Vegas know? Because Desmond Ritter's over-under for passing yards is only 2,700. Looks like they knew that he was going to get benched, and he will be benched soon. So looking forward to that. But, man, the experiment has gone on too long. Jackson, speaking of of bizarre quarterbacking decisions, let's talk about Malik Cunningham. Uh, guy I am very excited about, like, just in, just in concept, basically. Uh, he he's supposed to bring a level of athleticism to New England that like the team clearly doesn't have a quarterback uh, in there. Like you know, in Mac Jones, who has has played up and down. Uh, like has had moments, had bad, has had very bad moments. Is is clearly not the answer there. But like, I don't think it's a total wash. Uh, and Bailey Zappi, who. I, don't get me started. Uh, this week, there was a lot of talk post New Orleans about what's going to happen with quarterback. Uh, and Malik Cunningham specifically started to get floated out. Uh, and Bill O'Brien ended up saying uh, a lot of good things about him. Like he's been one of the most improved practice squad players. Uh, he's been like a real pleasure to watch develop. Uh, but up until last week before New Orleans, he had played exclusively wide receiver, which is the position they're trying to convert him to. Uh, he hadn't taken any uh, snaps at quarterback post preseason uh, until he started playing Taysom Hill on scout team, which like he's kind of a quarterback, I guess. Uh, and then Doug Kide, uh reporter for the Patriots, uh, I don't, I don't have an outlet off the top of my head. I think he's athletic, but I don't want to quote. Don't quote me on that. Uh, he was at the game preseason, uh, or uh, he was at the game pregame. Uh, Malik Cunningham didn't even take pregame warm-up throws. Like, he wasn't throwing before the game, and yet this was the team's backup starting quarterback. 
he had leapfrogged Bailey Zappi, who is the like healthy scratch replacement third string emergency quarterback guy. Uh, and Malik Cunningham, they were trying to be quote, uh, keep it as low key as possible. Uh, that Cunningham didn't take warm up throws during the game, and instead, uh, Cunningham got his arm loose in the locker room, which I don't know how you do that as a quarterback outside of just like playing catch with a buddy, like in a five yard locker room window or like in the tunnel. I don't really get how that happens. Uh, and I watched the game back, uh, I did a condensed replay, just tried to quick surf. Uh, You're a brave man. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, but uh, Cunningham didn't return kicks, which he was starting to do, like. He was taking kick return work in pre in uh, in pregame, uh, and he's played the majority of his season at wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> to my knowledge, Cunningham played exactly three snaps in that game. Those snaps were a handoff to Ramondre Stevenson, uh, a play where he split out wide. Uh, on the Zeke Wildcat touchdown. So, you know, something there. And then just one of the worst, worst plays to put Malik Cunningham out there for. Uh, third third down, I th- third or second, I should have had this, I'm sorry. But late in the second quarter, or second half, I'm sorry, it's 2 a.m., I'm losing my mind. Uh, just an awfully designed play. Two go-routes. Uh, Bourne does one of the cheat motions, the like Miami Dolphins short motions uh, out into the flats, and Gasicki is pulling across the line of scrimmage. Uh, Gasicki pulls away from the right side, kind of fakes a block, and then bubbles out into the flats. Uh, and then Ezekiel Elliott, it's a play action. And Ezekiel Elliott kind of takes the handoff, peels back, and while like basically like hasn't gotten past the line of scrimmage yet, is just looking back for a dump off. And Gesicki kind of does the same thing. The two receivers closest to Malik Cunningham are uh, both like within the tackle box, uh, and the three guys in the backfield for, on the Raiders are. Uh, the guy that were lined head up on Bourne pre-motion, the guy Gesicki had fake blocked, and the guy that Gesicki was leaving. Uh, I understand you can get blown up on blitzes and sometimes plays just go awry, but if you're not going to at least try to run a Malik Cunningham play, like, I don't know, give him a, give him a bit more production. You know how bad this offensive line is, and for all the things that Mac is bad at, you know that he's good at, at evading pressure for the most part. Like at this point, the one utility I've seen is the fact that Malik Cunningham is a wide receiver and you split him out wide for a wildcat touchdown. And that in itself is more believable than splitting Mac Jones out for a while, like as a receiver on a wildcat touchdown. Which is I'd, the, be willing, I'd be willing to just let the receiver room play quarterback at this point. But just like at this point, the two the two plays you put him out for, one any quarterback could have run. There was no like if you're using the if you're using the handoff play to set up whatever that play was, it was a bad play to begin with. 
and you shouldn't have done it. There was really like that play was an active disservice to Malik Cunningham and kind of just like probably mostly rattled him. Like if anything, I don't think there's anything constructive you get out of putting him out for whatever that play was so late in the game in such a tight situation. Boy, I, I tweeted like bring me Malik Cunningham at one point today. And while I still want to see more Malik Cunningham, I don't know what they I, like. I don't think they have a real plan for him. I think some of it is just a deflection. It's like, hey, we're doing some interesting stuff. Some of it is like total burn it down mode. Like, let's just see what we have on other parts of the roster because we know that we're moving away from Mac next year and there's many other potential moving parts on this offense. But I don't know. I saw Malik Cunningham play two games in college. I saw him cook Syracuse in 2021, and then I saw Syracuse cook him in 2022. So the the role reversal there turned me off a little bit to the idea that he could be, you know, a stud NFL QB of any sort. But I mean, from what you're saying, like just just give the guy some some packages, like. Before and, and do it before you decide that he's your backup quarterback and is dressing and is, you know, involved in some way in the game plan. Like that should have been the sign that Malik Cunningham was getting some stuff drawn up for him. But I guess it wasn't. I guess it was just, just we'd rather have you than Bailey Zappi and fun stuff. I don't know. I'm sorry, but just uh, don't make the decision on game day. I guess you were trying to keep it low key during the week, but like mm-hmm. if reporters had enough to sniff it out, fine. But like, I don't know. That's just so directionless. Yeah. Well, the three-year contract is also directionless, lest we forget. Like, what's that? No, I respect that. I respect you at least. Like, I don't like what else are you gonna do with a UDFA like offensive weapon? Like, you're gonna try and see if he develops. I don't I don't mind that. Like, you're at least seeing what you got. I, I that's fine to me. Uh that like takes a three-year contract to see what he's got. I don't know. I don't know because, like, if if I that's that's fine to me. That that I see total justification of. I don't know. Like like people cut like you like that's such a cuttable deal. At best, you've got a guy who's nine hundred k or like less than nine hundred k in the in the bank. Uh, probably like a mill all in, like a mill and change all in on a three year deal. Like I'm, so, I'm so fine with keeping that around. That is the least of the Patriots' cap concerns for a team yeah, that also has the cap perspective. They're they're fine. I just thought it was yeah, weird. So- like, this is the runway you need to give somebody, and as a UDFA, you have to give them a three year contract. But in terms of like getting con- like converting a guy from quarterback to wide receiver, if that's your intention of what you're going to do, then like yeah, like you need a guy who needs to learn the system fully for a year. Year two is when you start to kind of integrate him into packages. And if he hits by year three, you've got a Nick Westbrook, a Kine on your hands, and you can figure it out from there. But like, you know, Jacoby Myers is a four year deal. Like, same kind of de- same kind of thing there. Like, you're able to keep Jacoby him in Myers house played long. wide receiver before he got to the NFL, though. No, I recognize that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think like a three-year deal is not what I'm sticking my nose up at. I think this is more. This is more about Belichick. Like this is more about Bill O'Brien and like two guys who, like, are smart and put wrinkles into plays and do a lot of gadget shit. 
they should have a plan in place. They should have something more than this. I don't, I don't not agree. Uh, and the issue is like, this is, you know, where is this on the list of most important Patriots questions moving forward? You'd probably say really low, but just to have anything like, to look forward create, to in the future, like, it would have been nice to see more of a plan today specifically because you weren't going to get any other answers today apart from like, hey, what's this Malik Cunningham project? And we didn't get the answer to that today either. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like, it, like you're not getting an answer. You're not getting an answer in, in week six against the Raiders. But all I'm saying is like this, this just actively created more issues. Like none of this was necessary. The three plays you had him in for, even if the, even if the two plays like, like, like give the one play credit. If you brought him up just to be a distraction so Zeke could score a TD, fine. But like the two play building sequence of a handoff into whatever the hell that sack was like, that's not constructive. That is just actively creating more situations. And now everyone from like your top, like your top guys down to literally the 53rd man on your roster, Malik Cunningham, who just got brought up from the practice squad. Like now you're creating (laughs) issues for everyone on the field. Uh, Like everyone on the team has something to worry about now. And that's the frustrating thing. I don't know. Well, last year when they visited the Raiders, they had the Jacoby Myers lateral where Chandler Jones ran over Mac Jones. So I guess there are more frustrating things that can happen to the Patriots. There's the worst ways to lose a game, yeah. There's the worst ways to lose a game, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's let's wrap the show up, Kale. Uh, Monday Night Football first. We, uh, we got an interesting one, to say the very least. We've got I feel like two very mirror franchises of the last 25 years maybe have finished at different points in the standings, but uh, Chargers, Cowboys, perennial underachievers uh, in many respects, and seems only fitting that they're both three and two. Am I right about that? Or the Chargers two and three? Both three and two. Both three. Uh, No, Chargers two and two because they had a buy. Two and two. That makes way more sense. I'll tell you what. But regardless – the fact is this game could mean everything or nothing when it comes down to the end of the season. We could look at one of these teams totally differently or we could look at them both exactly the same. So uh, I'll let you choose your own adventure here. What are we going to learn from uh, Chargers-Cowboys Monday Night Football? We're going to learn how how bad the Dallas situation is. Uh, you might remember a little loss 42 to 10 to the San Francisco 49ers at home. Gotta say, it's still pretty fresh in my mind, yes. And you also got to think about a uh, a win against a scrappy Cardinals team. Uh, or a loss, or a, a win by a scrappy Cardinals team. I'm sorry. Uh, this, is, this is a team that now, in hindsight, has uh, really only beaten the Patriots and both New York teams. Uh, They are without a defensive player of the year candidate in Trey Diggs. Uh, They are getting kind of like just they're not as banged up as the Chargers are. The Chargers are much more injured and much thinner on offense. But I'm very curious to see a very uh, vanilla uh, Mike McCarthy offense. 
uh, take on a anemic Chargers defense. Uh, it's it feels like a very stoppable force against a very movable object, uh, and I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. Uh, but the other side of this ball, like I don't know, the the Niners are a whole different beast. Uh, so 42 points is a lot there, but like, what can Kellen Moore, who knows the inside and outs of this defense, what can he do against this group without Mike Williams to help him out? Uh, I I like the Chargers a lot in this. I really do. Uh, I I I don't want to go as far and call it a, a, a Quentin Johnson breakout game. Uh, I'm interested to see how it all sort of shakes out, but I don't know. Like Chargers are building on something good. Uh, they've they've almost chargered two of these last games, but they're also like one of the best offenses in the league uh, putting up, you know, 20, like basically 28, 30 points a game at this point. We'll see. It's, it's a weird one. Uh, where do you kind of fall right now? Like, do you th- it's a really weird one. It's, uh, it should I, be a bigger really marquee game for what it. it is. Yeah. I'm kind of like, as far as the Monday night matchups have gone this year, it's either been like good team versus bad team or bad team versus bad team for the most part. And I feel like two teams that we see as like middling slash have potential to be really good slash like, you know, there's, there's really good parts of each roster and there's really really questionable parts of each roster. Uh, And to like, to top it off, they've kind of been two meme teams in recent history where we've made fun of both of them a lot. I'm really excited to see them face off. Uh, And I, I do kind of like this spot for the Chargers, you know? Like, there's there's definitely something to the uh, the Monday night home field advantage, Cowboys coming off a brutal loss. Uh, like, they've, they're have they a little bit rested up, and I think Herbert, what sells me is Herbert can really take advantage of that defense in its depleted state. So I think I'm with you in a sense that I don't know enough about either of these teams at this point in the season to tell you where they're going to be. But I think this particular game lines up pretty well for LA, so I'll I'll go with you, and I'll take him. Uh, and one other Chargers thing, it was Chargers night at the LA Kings game yesterday. Can you guess who the Charger was that was there to drop the puck for the fans to go wild? Let's go Chargers! Rayshon Slater. They wish they got Rayshon Slater. It was Michael Davis, the seventh-year cornerback. Eh. That's sick. I the I, I go to a lot of Islanders games and uh the one uh the one Jets player uh that always ends up going is uh is the Ohio State uh second year blocking tight end, uh Jeremy Ruckert. I like that. Uh just well he's like it's a nice story because he's a he's a Long Island guy that went to Ohio State. Uh, came back uh, home in the draft was like a day, like a late day two guy, uh, and like was genuinely like a an Islanders fan growing up. But it's just really funny that it's like, I I think Rutgers had like ten targets in the last two years. That might even be pushing it. Uh, it's uh, hockey. I love it to death. They're not getting their best. They're not getting the uh, the all time guys coming out 
It really is. Sign it's, not, yeah. it's not like the Preds. The Preds could get like the full Titans offensive line in the mix. Damn. That's when Taylor Lewan was like beer funneling out of a catfish. Those were good days. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers went to every New York area hockey team's game for like a week there. So he didn't go to a Durs game. I think he only went to Rangers games. Well, I think he went to, well, it was Rangers against the Devils. So I guess that's why I'm thinking of it that way. But yeah, he should have gone out out Long Island way. We need to go to an Islanders game. Dude, UBS is a great place to watch a game. It's a great place to watch a concert, too. I'm not going to yeah. get into it. Eagles no, I've, I've been show. meaning to like tell you about this off pod. So like we. We need to go to an Islanders we'll game. We'll, we'll talk. We we got we got some mid. We'll talking some other time than hour two and minute three of the pod about this. Really, I I don't think there's a better time. Uh, cheap seats, mid seats. They I looked at cheap seats. It is, it's kind of our usual conundrum of. Uh, do you want to do you want to go to a Saints game or do you want to go to a Buccaneers game? Well, those are a little different, but I'm gonna. I, you you present it to me. Give me give me. Are you making a mid seat? You making I'll, the call? I'll throw them in because I think I objectively think uh, the Thursday night game, uh, Jacksonville at New Orleans. Like I I feel like it is the shoe in answer uh, for this because it's thirty six dollars for Jacksonville good. at New Orleans on Thursday night football. That's that's a hoot and a holler. Going going down New Orleans, uh, just crushing it on Bourbon Street for the day. Heading in for forty bucks. Watch Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr duke it out, or at least Trevor Lawrence play against a very good Saints defense, and then Derek Carr having a prayer against a pretty bad Jacksonville defense. Because uh, the other cheap seats option uh, in terms of tickets under fifty bucks is uh. Is Bucks at Atlanta, and I'm not. Or sorry, Atlanta at Bucks. And listen, we talked about the creamsicles. We talked about uh, Falcons a lot today. We're not. I'm not doing that game. So I'll present mid seats to you. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, there's, there's five. I'll give you five because it's it's a very interesting rundown. Paxley, eighty one dollars. Cleveland Browns. We talked a lot about their defense today. We talked a lot about their upside at the Indianapolis Colts. So, got to go to Lucas Soil and watch Gardner Minshew play against that defense. Could be fireworks. $76, Jackson. You Washington Commanders. Funky team there. <laughs> play against the New York Giants. We might get we might get Tyrod again. Who knows? Ninety dollars. This is this is pushing it up, but it's still it's still double digit. So I'm throwing it in this basket. Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. No, no further discussion needed there. Eighty one dollars. The Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Couple teams fighting for their lives in the NFC West. And Monday night, $66, the cheapest tickets in this mid-seats bracket. San Francisco 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings. So the smartest answer is Detroit Baltimore. I'll just start by saying that. That is, that's the best value. That's that's two playoff teams. The best, best value, even though it's the most expensive. Correct. 
the smartest answer is Washington at New York because I can wow. see my live stadium from my apartment. So, oh yeah, yeah. you could just we, do we, that. We've discussed like travel logistics and the history of this before. Uh, you're telling me I either have to get my butt to Baltimore or like catch a ten dollar Uber to MetLife Stadium. That's subjectively the easiest one. I'm gonna throw all of that aside and go to Cleveland, Indy. I'm gonna yeah. do, do the exact opposite of everything I just said because Cleveland, Indy. I want to watch that defense and I want to see what Indy does about this whole. Jonathan Taylor, $42 million running back situation because I still think he's good. Zach Moss has also looked good and gotten an equal amount of work the last couple weeks. And I just want to see like if they can build a half-decent offense for the rest of the year, knowing that they've committed this money to Taylor. They're, they have a dearth of wide receivers, but like Michael Pittman's a guy you're interested in. Uh, don't have a tight end. One good offensive lineman. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just morbidly curious because that <laughs> I'm not willing to put them to bed yet in the AFC South because I trust Shane Steichen. So, like, can you build an offense around running backs in 2023? The Indianapolis Colts are going to try to do it, and I'm here for it. I want to touch on your thing real quick. Who cares about time at this point? We're already two hours in. Correct. Uh, I, I think the, I think the Taylor contract is going to work in the sense that like. We, we made this analogy. I think I'm stealing it from Robert Mays, uh, but we've definitely talked about it on pod. Uh, like Cole Komet signed a deal for 12 mil APY. Saquon should have gotten that. Like Saquon is as yeah. valuable of an offensive asset as a tier three to f- – yeah, tier three tight end, we'll call him. Komet's still use- like useful, but I'd also rather have like Dalton Schultz than him. Uh like, I don't know, uh, like grand scheme, but like, I feel like I'd also rather have Saquon Barkley and like just have an awesome RB1 with pass catching potential and like a lot more versatility. I know I can find that elsewhere, but like at some point you have to value the top 10 guys, top, or just like that, that first like top five tier of the wide receiver market. The, CMCs and the Ecklers and the Saquons of the world. Uh, yeah, I still feel the question is where does Jonathan Taylor fall into that camp at this stage of his career? I think Jonathan Taylor's in that camp. I think he, I think he's definitely in that camp. And if not, he's the top of the second tier, which I still think like you probably slightly overpaid him, but like you're still getting good asset out of him. He was yeah. a. It's also like, who else are you spending money on? You're the Colts. You have a rookie quarterback. That's what I'm saying. You got a ton of time. You might as well honor him now. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to afford to later. And it's not like I don't think it's the most untradeable contract. I don't know if it has like de-escalating value, but you'd, it'd probably behoove you to pay him up front now. Like put a ton of guaranteed money on the front end of this while you still have some cap. Yeah, and then, it's uh, like, guaranteed, and I think that's the first two years, basically. Yeah, and you let that de-escalate into the back end. You either cut them after two, uh, where you don't have that big a cap hit, or you, or it's a very tradable contract. Uh, yeah, I'd rather, but also uh, just back to your actual pick. Uh, I guess you picked Cleveland Indy, right? I did with the caveat that, like, You'd go in your backyard instead. Well, I 
I'm being a little bit facetious because I'd probably actually pick Detroit Baltimore, but I'm disgusted with the Baltimore offense and I want it to be contrarian. So that's why I did it. Oh, no, I'd absolutely. No, I was going to say, like, you're wrong to be contrarian. Uh, don't be ignorant. Uh, I'd, I'd pay for the $200 Acela over the $10 Uber and and just take the train right down to, what is it, M&T Bank? Right down to Baltimore. I'm, I'm the there in a heartbeat. I'm watching Zay Jones with binoculars like I'm at the opera. Zay Jones. Okay. Zay Flowers, whatever. I, there's, two, there's two guys in the league named Zay. That's True. crazy. There shouldn't be that many guys named Zay. We, I, I was able to navigate Quinn and Quincy. I was able to navigate uh, Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, Jones and Jonathan Jones. And e- even Marcus Jones and Miles Bryant were headaches for me because they're both cornerbacks with return potential. But you stuck me on Zay Flowers and Zay Jones. I couldn't. It was, <laughs> I was <laughs> two hours and 12 minutes in. I, was, I nearly got out of this clean. So close. Ugh. I'm proud of your performance today. I feel like I feel like we cooked today. I'm proud. Uh, it is 2:20 a.m. and I am gonna have to uh, start downloading this behemoth of a recording and uh, hit the sack here pretty soon. But good work tonight, Kale. Lots of good football to look forward to. All these five games that you've presented to me will happen very soon. But uh, closing thoughts on week five, if you will, or week six, since it is week six. Uh, Dan, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I I wish I wish I kept the faith. Uh, Detroit Lions are good. Uh, they're top three team in the NFC, and it remains to be seen if they've got the ability to truly compete. But I'm pumped for them. I'm sorry, I'm Dan. Also, oh wait, can I can I just drop one more thing? Uh, just a real quick note. Uh, feels it feels really dirty that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are just like gonna just gonna wriggle their way into another AFC title again. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. All right, they and can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> I we'll see when we see, but that Mahomes guy manages to wriggle a lot of things. I feel so it's not entirely off brand for Kale. I am Jackson, and we will discuss that and many other interesting philosophical topics on this podcast next Tuesday. See you.